Jay, would you like to guess why I am in such a good mood? Um, I would actually, but I don't have any guesses. So just tell me, please. Just tell me. Monday is the first day of fall. Oh, really? It is almost here, and I'm dying. Wait, you don't like the hot, sticky? This heat is not for me. Mm-mm. It's like a double shower. You take one in the morning, and then by the afternoon, you've already taken another one. I feel like I take a shower, I get out of the shower, blow dry my hair, and then I need to get right back in the shower. Because <laughs> I'm it's like awful. If you don't live in the South, and you don't know about that hot, humid, sticky, it feels like you're walking through soup. The air is thick. A little bit. Not a little bit, a lot of bit. Hi, welcome to the Reality Bites podcast. It's Megan and Jay. Hopefully you have had a chance to check out our most recent bonus episode. We did a cool interview with Molly Hopkins. That was fun. Season five of 90 Day Fiance, season three of What Now? And she was in one of the most kind of infamous scenes in 90 Day Fiance history. It's one of my favorite scenes. I'm so glad she gave us some behind the scenes commentary about like what we didn't get to see. Because one of the things you and I have talked about all along is that when the show was edited, sometimes you can tell that there was like something else going on that right. we kind of missed and it didn't quite make sense. So um, it was interesting to get to hear someone tell us all of that other stuff. It was good. I was fascinated. I should have asked her what song he was playing for my playlist. Well, we can. We, I'm sure we can <laughs> Shazam it and figure it out for you so you can add it to your uh, Jay's workout mix <laughs> or whatever. Do you have a playlist? Like, uh, I, Actually, yes, I do. Yeah. A lot of reggae on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So you like the reg- well, reggaeton? Da- yeah, like dance hall. Yeah. Like- okay. Very cool. Um, before we jump into part one of episode eight of 90 Day Fiance Before the 90 Days, you got anything exciting coming up this weekend? Uh, just a lot of work. Just okay. Be a diligent employee. How about you? Um, I ordered the iPhone 11. Oh, boy. And so I have a feeling I will spend my entire weekend Googling how to use it because I'm the... I know nothing about technology, but they really sold me on this pet portrait mode. <laughs> I was like, I do take a lot of pictures of my pet, so this is probably worth the insane amount of money you pay for this phone. And the other reason that I need a new phone is because mine hasn't been working since I accidentally put it in the microwave. That's weird. That's odd. I don't know. It's called tech support. <laughs> I have, I, have I ever <laughs> explained on this podcast like why you, I put my phone in the microwave? You have not. Please okay. do. So I had had a little bit of alcohol, and by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> and you know how sometimes drink a little too much wine, and then you want to make yourself a snack. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to make almost like a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. And and I thought this is so bad. I'm so embarrassed to admit this. I thought I was putting this piece of cheese on a slice of bread, <laughs> but but in my drunken state, <laughs> I put a piece of cheese on my. <laughs> and I put the phone in the microwave. So wait a minute. You've told me the story, but you've never mentioned the cheese the portion cheese. of yeah. the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I turned the microwave on, and about 10, 15 seconds in, it started to spark. <laughs> so I pulled it out real fast. Oh, my god. And gosh. it really hasn't worked the same since. So when I saw that iPhone was coming out with the new 11, I thought, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go for it. But I don't know how to use these things. Besides so is there the still cheese like like embedded in some no, of the I think I cleaned it crevices. all off. I mean, the only thing that you can really tell from the microwave incident is that part of my case melted because right. I have a plastic case on my phone um, and it smelled really, really bad in my house. Because you know, <laughs> if you know what like 
melted plastic smells like. It's not a pleasant smell. With and cheese. Then, yeah, with cheese and some, probably some gadgets and gizmos inside my phone <laughs> were like going haywire and about to explode. I'm lucky I got it out before I set my entire house on fire. But okay, anyways. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. On 90 Day Fiance, Before the 90 Days, part one of episode eight. Omar. <laughs> <sighs> I'm Omar. Still team Omar. I know you are. But... And I am too. Here's the thing. I like Omar. He's a 24-year-old kid. Yeah, he's and young. And even though he and Avery are doing something that's actually pretty mature for, for their age, you know, she's 19, she's from Ohio, he's 24, he's from Syria. They met online. She flew to Beirut, Lebanon with her mom. They have been there for five days and she's supposed to marry this guy who she's just met for the first time. Right. So the whole thing here is that Avery's mom wants to see her get married before she flies back to the United States. And then we found out in part one of episode eight, Avery is staying for another five days. Correct. So the entirety of her trip is 10 days from the time she touches down, meets Omar for the first time, gets married, and then returns back to the U.S. to file for his spousal visa. So a week and a half. That is like my brain couldn't quite process how quick. And her mom is five business days. I mean, it's the, it's a business week. It's not even through like an entire weekend. No, absolutely. It sounded like it was what? Like they flew in maybe on Sunday and the mom's leaving Friday night? Right. Is what it seemed like. So here we are. It is day of. the day <laughs> that Avery's supposed to get married. Now, mind up. you, there has already been the whole, I think they were supposed to get married a couple days before and Omar hadn't lined up the shake and so they go to a mosque and they finally find some Someone who agrees to marry them. And all of a sudden, the day <laughs> of their wedding, Omar walks in and says there's trouble. Right. And that's usually not something you want to hear on the morning of your wedding. <laughs> and he, he tells Avery that they have to get permission from the Islamic court before they can get married. Now, how is that not something that he knew prior to her arriving? He has to have known people who have gotten married before and has to know that that's a part of the process, right? So I'm trying to think, when I got married, I don't know if I really knew, like, all the, like, you know, you have to get a wedding, uh, a license, a marriage license, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I knew all the stuff that you had to do. I'm trying to put myself in this position. I, he's young, like you he said. He's young, I absolutely. I don't feel like he's intentionally doing it, but I feel like he's just kind of like, oh, really? I gotta. And maybe that's where he was when she went to go find out, like, hey, do you want to move to America? Is it okay if we don't move to America? Remember, and she went and he wasn't in his hotel room? Yeah. Maybe he was trying to figure this all out like oh shoot I'm- maybe he was out on the streets <laughs> Try- at 11 o'clock at night trying, trying to, to find figure a court out that was open. <laughs> um, so anyway so it's like the day that they're supposed to get married he says to Avery we have to get permission from the Islamic court now Avery's mom is supposed to fly home that night and again Terry springs into figure it out mode she's like call a taxi we're going to the Islamic we're court. Going to the court we're gonna get this figured out so it's like hours before Terry is supposed to fly back to the US We still don't know yet whether or not they're going to be able to get this done in time. It's a very stressful, like I was so anxious, I almost bit my fingernails off. You know, are they going to get the permission so that they can get the shake to marry them so that Terry can be there before she has to fly home? Now, here's a question I have for you, because I haven't flown internationally. I've only traveled like by car internationally. Mm -hmm. When you have an international flight, because I know a lot of times when I fly places, I'll miss my flight. And I usually, my wife is someone who stresses. I'm like, "Eh, if we miss it, they'll basically just put us on the next flight. 
generally without, you know, charging us. Is it the same one on international flight? That is, I have never heard someone say that before. Like, oh, if I just missed the flight, like. Oh, no, I've, I've missed tons I of flights. I am not they- one of those. I have, <laughs> ne- I don't think I've ever missed a flight because it was like my fault and uh, I was late. I'm or late anything. all the time and it's just like, ah, okay, well, can I get on the next flight? And they're just basically like, yeah, I guess so. But what happens if the next flight is full and then you're stuck somewhere for like the next two, three days? I've never had that happen. I mean, every time I've missed a flight, I was always able to get basically on the very next flight. There was one time when I had a nighttime flight. It left like at 9 p.m. from the West Coast. And because I was flying to the East Coast, you know, they don't have that many flights as it gets later. And we had to spend the night and got on the first one in the morning. I've had that happen a couple of times. But other than that, generally, even though they tell you, you know, this ticket is not refundable and you can't change it. I mean, they don't want you really just hanging out at the airport. They're gonna... I have never heard that before. I mean, I've never just heard someone say that that's just like whatever. Yeah, I think my wife doesn't particularly care for that either. <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't worry uh, about you know, it. No, for me, I mean, the only time I, I we had an issue, uh, I was leaving Brussels. We hit some bad weather, so our flight was delayed. I was connecting back through Heathrow, and I missed my connection mm-hmm. from Heathrow back to the States. But interestingly enough, because it was the airline's fault, not my fault, when I got off my flight at, in London, they had people stand, like, they already knew who was going to miss their connection. Okay. So there was somebody who, like, pulled you aside and took you to a ticket counter and tried to figure out, like, okay. what they were going to do. And she wound up getting me on a better flight that got me home earlier really? than my original flight. It was very strange how it all worked out, but I was not complaining at all. Well, let me ask that because I'm just wondering what would be the repercussions of Terry just missing her flight that night and possibly going the next day back Or to extending US. the flight a day. Oh, yeah. But then again, she has kids at home. That's she has true. a job at home. Like, there might be a reason she can't just okay. pull a Jason like, <laughs> oh, I'll just maybe, hopefully I can get on the next one. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is an interesting travel strategy. Um, that would not work for my nerves and my sense of like, because I'm the person who doesn't chance it. I'm uh, I'm overly cautious. I don't cut it close. I don't want to stress. That's just, it causes me too much anxiety. I'm as close as possible. Like, hey, can I roll up to the airport right before the plane leaves so I can just walk on wow. to the plane? And everybody who I know is like, you're ridiculous, sir. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I think you are in the minority, but good for you that that doesn't stress you out. Not particularly. I would need sedatives. I would need like heavy sedatives if that's how I always traveled. So, so no. So we don't know yet whether or not Terry's going to be able to be there for Avery's wedding. We do know they make it to the Islamic court where we leave off. They're kind of, you know, filling out some paperwork and they're in a hurry. But it's just like, that's one of those things where like when they were getting up in the morning and getting ready, Terry said to Avery like, oh, well, what time are you supposed to get married today? It's like, wow, that is different than how American weddings that work. That is absolutely true. Because she was like, oh, I don't know. Like whenever he can do it, I guess. It's like, oh, I, okay. It's a laissez-faire. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but like we said all along, we do like Omar. Yeah. It's just the day of the wedding to have him come in and yet again say that there's a problem <laughs> is not what Avery was expecting because she thought she was going to get there. They were going to spend a day together. The next day they were going to get married and live happily ever and after. maybe that's why I like Omar because he just feels very kind of like, ah, oh, there's Go a problem. The yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's not a problem. It's okay. We'll figure right. it out. <laughs> uh, who do you want to do next? So let's talk about Benjamin and Akini. Oh, man. Benjamin, who's in his 30s, is is from Phoenix, is visiting Akini. She lives in Nairobi, Kenya, and he is is really starting to get frustrated with how this is all going. He and is. I, I agree with him. Absolutely. It's extremely frustrating that she keeps throwing all of these curveballs at him. Every day there's a new like little scenario that, oh, by the way, oh, by the way. And, and some sort of almost like test or challenge that 
he has to overcome. <laughs> and he has been really patient and he's kind of rolled with the punches so far. But like I said, after that whole incident with Fidel, her brother, and them blaming him for her being upset when he knows it's not his fault. I, at that point, I would have been like, I'm either checking into my Airbnb or I'm going to go book myself on a little African safari. You'll find me in the back of a Jeep taking some pictures of some zebras. Akini, get at me if you want to hang out before I leave. But not Benjamin. He still seems to be very much willing to go along with it, but you can tell it's starting to get to him. It is starting to wear on him a little bit. So he wakes up in the morning and he gets a message from Akini. This morning, Akini sent me a message. She wants me to come out to her church and meet her father. But uh, I'm definitely nervous because I don't want a repeat of the other night. Akini's brother, Fidel, is taking me to Akini's church and uh, I hope things get better from here because if she doesn't have approval from her family, then we don't get to be together. And you can tell he is very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and Akini's dad, he's right, is very intense. We thank you because of your presence in us. I break every power of darkness. I'm here before God, Jehovah, so that you can descend and come upon my life. If I wasn't nervous before to meet Akini's father, I am right now. I break the power of Satan. He's a powerful speaker and it's a scary visual. It definitely has me uneasy. Now that's an understatement, but I will say that living in the South, I had a friend in high school who did the whole speaking in tongues thing. Oh, really? Yeah, like being overcome by the Holy Spirit. Like very extreme, Mm -hmm. religious. Maybe extreme's not the right word. Maybe that's normal for some people. I found it odd. Right, right. It's not the norm for me. So, but granted, that's not what Akini's dad was doing. He was just very animated. Yeah, he's very passionate, very animated. Very loud. Yes, and um, I've seen that in many churches before, so for me, it wasn't a surprise, but I could see how it'd be a little shocking to someone else. Actually, anytime I've been to another church besides kind of the church I usually go to, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like a quiet, kind of soft and somber service or really an uplifting service. It always feel you always feel a little weird and kind of out of place. it's not your comfort zone. Right, it's not your comfort zone. You don't know those people, you know those people have an expectation that might be different than yours. So it's very odd. So I can imagine for him, it was very much like, okay. Not to mention that they rolled up to the church three guys on one little motorbike. Like they had to like... <laughs> it was like an Uber. <laughs> like Benjamin was in the middle and the driver's on the front and then Akini's brother Fidel is on the back, which had to be another thing that, you, that he's just not used to, I'm sure has not experienced. Like we can't get two motorcycles? What's the problem? A rickshaw? (laughs) Is there any other sort of means of transportation? So after the service, Akini's dad comes up, shakes his hand. It's very brief. But here we go with another curveball from Akini. (laughs) So we are going home and then you're going to talk to my dad. Okay. And the eldest. Oh? That's a bit close with my parents since I was a child. We need to get their blessings too. I don't know why Akini can't just give me a step-by-step play of how everything should go. 
I am definitely frustrated and tired of having surprises come up. Are you serious? And to your point, what I find most frustrating is that none of the stuff that she's really asking is so far out of the room, except for maybe staying with the brother. But for you to like come and meet my family, meet my dad, mm-hmm. meet our elders, mm-hmm. you know, for my brother to spend some time with you and like you, all that stuff seems very fine and, you know, somewhat normal. And why couldn't you have just told him that? But yes, time? why don't you just tell him like, hey, when you come over here, this is kind of how it's going to work. And why didn't he ask her prior to coming? So so walk me through what's your plan for the however long he's going to be there, seven days, 10 days. Tell me, give me the rundown of what we're going to do while we're there and, you know, what customs and traditions should I be aware of? Like, I'm just surprised none of that came up prior to him going over there. I feel like it kind of came up, but not in the way that he was expecting because, you know, she did, he did say, oh, you know, I'm going to meet your dad. She's like, yeah, you know, if you don't work, if you don't take off your shoes when uh, you come into the house, he might chase you around with a machete and that was right. the famous clip that we saw in the beginning. Right, but then why didn't he say, okay, what else? Like, let right. me take some notes. Let me just right. write all this down so that I know what I am and am not supposed to do when I get there. I, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit just as much his fault as her fault because he very well could have asked more questions prior and it seems like he just showed up assuming things were going to be one way and then found out they were going to be much, much, much different. Right. But I also totally understand his frustration. Absolutely. Who do we have next? Tim and Jennifer. Tim and Jennifer, man. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Tim, 38, is from Charlotte. Jennifer is in her early 20s. She's from Bucaramanga, Colombia. She is a gorgeous girl. So mm-hmm. I understand why he's a little bit intimidated Correct. and why he's a little bit afraid of like, well, you know, is she feeling me? Like, I don't want to look stupid on TV if I try to make a move and she rejects me. Like, that I, would be embarrassing. I agree with the, I don't want to look stupid on TV, but the whole, she's kind of attractive. I mean, none of his girlfriends in the past that we've seen have been unattractive. Right. So it shouldn't be that much of a, you know, shock to him that, oh, wow, this and, pretty girl. And he's video chatted with her prior to go. He knows exactly what she looks like. Right, exactly. So they're getting ready to go. They're on their way to Jennifer's parents' farm. Oh, yeah. And they're in this car and they're out in the middle of nowhere. The car drops them off because the road stops and then they have to, it, I wonder, I was like, how far is that walk <laughs> from where like they got dropped off to like the farm <laughs> farm? And you've got Tim like rolling his ankle trying to get down to the farm. And uh, and so far what we've heard is that Jennifer's dad is, is like a man's man. Right. And you cannot, you need to show that you can do a man's work. <laughs> and Tim rolls up in his little black wife beater and his black rubber boots and uh, but I will say the first thing they have him do is like give the cows a bath to get the fleas and the mites and the flies off of them and he does a pretty good job with that it and it's a really it's one of those where you like pump the bottle and it shoots out a little mm-hmm. nozzle so it's really easy it's not like he has to get in there with like a hose and like a scrub brush and right. really, he's not doing all that no he's just spraying them down he does an okay job well next there's this like calf <laughs> and they've got the calf on the ground and she says we got to give him a b12 shot for the for his muscle and they stick this big needle in the in the calf's hip or thigh and then Tim has to inject the fluid into the calf. Right. But I will say when they, and I, I was like, they have to be joking because the dad says, ask him if he wants to castrate the calf. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, there's no way you're going to no let someone who's way. never even seen or heard, like, there's no way you're just going to offer that up to somebody. Like, hey, you want to castrate my cow? Right. Like, 
No. And so it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So poor Tim. Uh, I, d- I did feel kind of bad for him because I'm like most people, 99% of people in that situation would, would be. Yeah, definitely would have been like, no, not. thank you, sir. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to see Jennifer's mom. Yeah. They did mention her and we haven't seen her mom. She doesn't really, she doesn't actually really talk about her mom either. But Jennifer is so beautiful. Like, I want to see the rest of the family. Like, right. are there any brothers? No, she's an only child. She said. Dang uh, it. Or is she the only girl? She's definitely. The only girl. No, she has brothers, I think. She's definitely the she only girl. She said yes. in the very beginning when we first meet Jennifer that her dad and her brothers are boxers, right? That's right. So her, her dad and her uncles. Now well, we gotta go back and watch. Again. I'm gonna hold out hope that there are brothers and I'm gonna <laughs> I know need you are. I'm gonna need the the backstory on, on who these guys are. Visual and, evidence. Yeah, I'd like to see them and I'd like to know what their stories are and if they're single. That's all. Um so then they finally leave parents' farm and they're going out to some little town nearby and they're going to walk around and have a day just the two of them no violets really nice outside and finally after creepily touching her hair yeah what was with all of the hair touching and it was like a creepy way it wasn't like a like a nice kind of stroking and like oh it was very creepy like yeah and he wasn't you know sometimes like like if you're a girl and and your hair is blowing in your face a guy will reach up and like brush your hair out of your face this was more almost like he was like brushing her hair with his fingers almost like I'm going to collect this later however (laughs) They finally made out. They did. They finally kissed a bunch. And we don't know exactly how far they are into the trip yet, but Jennifer was getting to that point where she's like... She was about to be in the friend zone. That's what she yeah. said. Well, I'm surprised he wasn't already. She was very lenient with the with the <laughs> keeping the door open and not just putting him in the friend zone after that first night. Because I think for a lot of girls, like once you... F- once you start to feel a certain way about somebody, it's hard to come back from it. Right. So you almost have to establish very early on what the dynamics yeah, are going to be. the relationship dynamics are. Yeah. And so so there was that point where he waited almost too long. And for a lot of other girls, probably would have been too long. And I mean, we'll see. I kind of, I actually kind of feel like he might still end up in that friend zone. I don't think he's in the clear yet. So there is a preview to an upcoming episode where they're like sitting on a couch together and she makes the move on him. Like she starts rubbing his leg and he looks like deer in headlights like no idea what to do why is tim so weird i like i said i'm i want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's uncomfortable that the cameras are there (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying i'm trying to give tim the benefit of the doubt um how about caesar and maria oh caesar basically just caesar painful (laughs) was that scene where caesar has been broken up with he is down in Mexico by himself. At a special dinner. He had booked this dinner for the two of them where he was planning to propose to Maria. And I will have to say, the dinner is probably the most kind of uh, well thought. Normal thing. Normal thing he has done for Maria. Like, yeah. Everything else is pretty much crazy town. $200 ring, $8,000 a year to send to her. Like, all this stuff is crazy. But the dinner looked really nice and kind of really genuine. I mean, but you bring up a good point. I want to know how much he spent on the dinner considering he only spent $200 on the ring, but I guess it doesn't matter because she's not coming anyways. So he's so he says it's non-refundable, so I'm going to go have dinner by myself. Dinner. Oh, he sits man. down and the server's like, oh, it's a nice dinner for you and your fiance, and it's just uncomfortable. And when like, she finds out that his fiance isn't coming, she broke up, the server's like, oh, oh, uh, well, um... And then she just walks away. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, someone's calling me over there. I gotta go. So this is where, though, I've said all along that there are certain things about this season that feel very staged 
to me. Angela with the cake felt very staged. There were a couple of other things that I was like, hmm. Is it when the people rolled up? So when this nice family from Iowa that he met at the pool a couple days prior, they just happened to walk up like, oh, hey, Caesar, where's Maria? I was yeah. like, come on. And it did feel like because the wife was in front of the husband, because I remember this That's, very vividly. That had to be a dad and daughter. Or was it a dad and daughter? That had to be dad and daughter. There was no way that was his wife. I don't know. I don't make it. Who knows? When, once you watch 90 Day Fiance, you know, know anything's possible. True. You're right. That's so true. So the, the female of the couple, she was walking in front of him. I very vividly remember seeing her kind of point like, oh, there he is. Almost like a producer. Someone had said, oh, if you walk around the corner, you'll see him yeah. at the table to the left. Yeah. Just walk up to him and like, right. you know, ask him where Maria is. It almost felt like she's like, oh, okay, there he is right there and she walked up to him and like hey and like, what are the odds that they would just be right around the corner from where he's having dinner I mean granted when you're at some of those all-inclusive resorts you do run into people you but know, this a dinner of was kind of an exclusive little it's like its yeah. own little gazebo it looked like it's kind of a private affair exclusive so, kind of thing so it didn't seem like it'd be one where it's just like in a regular restaurant where you're just at a table and people are just kind of walking through it didn't really seem like that so I'm calling a little bit of BS on this you know dad daughter or dad wife whoever they were just happening to roll up on Caesar by himself at this romantic dinner but they were very nice and comforting they gave him a hug and yeah yeah and then but then I think he starts to you know he's still kind of processing everything and all of a sudden he starts to realize oh this is why she hadn't been talking to me for three four days prior Which is something you brought up you brought yeah. that up a while back yes. that hey it's been three or four days she's had no contact she must have already known the ticket was canceled and right. she didn't want to deal with having to talk to him and she was it. just ignoring him because she was like, you booked me this ticket and or you told me you booked me this ticket and there is no ticket and now you're going to make me look stupid and I'm not doing this. And, and Caesar came up with the same conclusion finally, which gives me a little hope about him. Right. But people really do want to still see where is like whoever this Who person is. Who is she? We want to see her. Can much we at like, least get her on a video chat? Much like you want to see Jennifer's uh, brothers. Brothers. <laughs> Everybody yeah. wants to know would, about <laughs> Like their Instagram handles. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like it is, can the producers of TLC at least get Maria on a video chat right. because she agreed to be on the show. She had to give her consent to participate in the show. And they've been using her voice. And they've been using her voice and they've been showing us pictures of her. So can we at least just see who she is in right. real life? Maybe they're saving it for the tell-all, the reunion. I can't wait. If One can case. only hope. You know Who's next? Was Angela and Michael, they did make up finally, didn't they? Oh, God, they did. <laughs> he, Angela he's is... back, y'all. He's coming to America. Angela's 53. She's from Georgia. Michael's 30. He lives in Lagos, Nigeria. They, on day two <laughs> of the trip, get into a huge fight. And, and really, this all boils down to just trust. And she doesn't believe that he is wants to be in a long-term committed relationship with her because all of these little white lies. And, and finally, I feel like we saw a little bit more of a serious side to Angela where she was actually making some valid points like right. how do I know that you're not going to come here and get your green card and then go start a family with somebody else how do I know that you want this for the right reasons and, and if you're constantly lying to me what does that tell me about how serious you are about this relationship and I was like okay so there is another you know reasoned side to Angela yeah like she was exhibiting some some good common sense but then she calls Michael to meet her at a restaurant. He walks in and they pretty much make up instantly. And now their trip continues. And whether or not they get into another fight, I'm sure is 
just inevitable. around the corner. <laughs> right. It's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. She'll catch him doing something else. Uh, uh, Tim and Darcy? Yeah, why not? Tim and Darcy. Tim is 39. He's from the UK. Darcy's 44. She's from Connecticut. They are in Albania because that's where Darcy's twin sister, Stacy, is with her 26-year-old Albanian fiancé, Florian. Florian. Not, I'm, I don't <laughs> Who know. says, like, basically nothing? I don't know how I feel about <laughs> Florian, but... Uh, well, we just don't know anything about him. Right. We know nothing about him. So they have... It, it would appear they're maybe also on, like, day two or three of the trip. It's got to gotta be Al- day three. To Albania. Yes. Okay, day yes, three yes. of the Albanian trip because they get there at night. Mm-hmm. They have this dinner. The next day, go they, to go the to, they go to the bridge. There's drama at the bridge. So here we are with Tom basically putting Darcy in her place a little bit. It's been stressful today. It's been such a long day. and I meant the twin thing. I mean, I understand Stacey Knight's tit for tats. Just to people. It sets a bad tone. I understand. And I'm seeing a little bit of her demeanor with Florian for the first time. I think she's trying to pry for his attention and maybe show me. It's not a competition. I feel like she's acting immature. I I think you are too. I'm sorry. I apologize. Families argue, of course, but the tit for tat between the two is kind of, you know, it was really starting to spoil the time that I was sharing with Darcy. You need to sit with your sister and say it's making me uncomfortable. I've come all the way from where I lived to be in a place that I didn't really want to be and I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree because I don't want that either. Have a sit and chat with her and say, look, whatever this is between us, it's making it uncomfortable for Thomas, it's making it uncomfortable for Florian. And she gets defensive and blames me. And this is where, you know, Tom has kind of been the butt of jokes up all along, you know, but Tom, to me, feels like one of the most genuine, authentic people so far in this process and that he's really trying to be open to getting to know her. Yes. And not only is she bringing up all the marriage references, she's crying every other episode, she's very insecure, and he is still willing to, like, go along with the changed plans, is still trying to be a good sport about all this but I'm glad finally he told her like this is really off-putting. Tom is very much not here for the drama. No. So he's willing to you know give it a shot and give it a go and see how this works but he just doesn't want all the extra you know tit for tat. Tit for tat. The one up. The the petty competition. Yeah. And the funny thing is when you look at Darcy and Stacey you know they're 44 year old women it's just not a good look to be arguing and nitpicking like that and like why did you wear your hair like this and you, you, you now you've worn that outfit and you've ruined it now I can't wear it because he's already seen it and he you know he hasn't seen it on me for the first time like that's ridiculous and I believe it was right after she had that talk with Tom she talked to her sister they sat down and they talked yep and Stacy who does seem like she's a little less petty than Darcy uh, she uh, initially she seemed like it right initially but when they're at that dinner it really seems like oh Stacy is just as petty because she's talking about how oh well I'm not like that and I don't do that kind of stuff and then she immediately starts doing the exact and Darcy is right you can tell Stacy is does it and knows it's gonna bother Darcy right and she's like she can't help herself like she's got to do something that she knows is gonna rub her sister the wrong way or like inviting her to Albania in the first place I feel like she knew that her sister was going to London to meet this guy who she was hoping to have this you know magical relationship with instead of letting Darcy just have that moment and she must have known also they were planning to go to Grand Canaria because Darcy there's no way she's not gonna tell when they 
Wait, remember when they were in New York That's City right. at the bar before Darcy left That's to go to right. London? That's when Tom says to her that they're going to go to Grand Canary. Exactly. So Stacey so definitely she knew. She knows. And so instead of saying, oh, we're going to have this wonderful trip to London, then they're going to go to this beautiful island. She's like, oh, you know what? You guys should come to me in to Albania. Albania. And you should meet my 26-year-old Albanian fiance. I'm like, come on. You could have you could have at least said, hey, maybe Ooh. after you guys get back from Grand Canary, if there's any time or whatever, maybe you guys want to stop on by here. But no. Or she, why can't Stacy right. and Florian go, go to, to London. them? Yep. That's the part that I would be like, mm, Especially would, because they have the more established relationship. But that would seem to suggest that Florian can't leave Albania. Because oh. as far as we know, he's never been to the U.S. either. We don't know anything he's about He's never Florian. been to visit the U.S. So mm-hmm. I'm, I have questions there. Yeah. And that, th- did you notice that like they were dressed exactly the same at that breakfast? Yeah. They were wearing the exact <laughs> same hooded sweatshirt. And I could tell by the drawstrings. Who wore it best? That's their whole thing. Really? <laughs> It's very draining. It's uncomfortable to watch, and I'm, you know, we're behind it like a TV screen. It was the- already draining just watching Darcy, but now having two oh Darcys essentially. God. Oh my gosh! Uh, and then, last but not least, Rebecca and Zied. Oh, Rebecca and Zied. So Rebecca, who is in her 40s from Georgia, is in Tunisia to meet Zied, her 26-year-old Tunisian boyfriend, for the first time. She has just told him that she has been in a relationship with a woman. It was several years ago, um, but all along, the big her big secret has been that. She's still married. She still hasn't told him that. What she, she has told him is that she had a girlfriend at one point. <laughs> now, Zied says that, hey, that's that's before me. You, my parents cannot know about this. Like, the tattoos are already an issue. Your age is already kind of an issue. The fact that you've been married before is already kind of an issue. And so they are in, in this hotel room at this beautiful... I still want to know where they are, because that little seaside... Yeah, with the hookahs and... Yeah, it was so beautiful. It was really nice. Really pretty. Um, so the next morning, it would appear they're getting ready or he's getting ready in the bathroom in another ill-fitting red shirt. <laughs> another another outfit that I wish I could just have some sort of like editorial say in like how he presents himself. And so she excuses herself to go downstairs and we up until this point we don't have had no idea that she decided to run a background check on him right. before she left. Now in one of the very first episodes her partner, she's a private investigator said that she would do one said that she should do one okay and said like oh you're in the line of work that we're in you'd be crazy not to so sure enough the her friend and her business partner her boss has now gotten the results of his background check back okay well i do have the background check okay i went all the way back to the very beginning and the good thing is he has no criminal history <laughs> okay okay that's good that's good okay he is 26 years old okay yeah and he's never been married even better okay so so far he's telling me the truth Still, something about this whole situation doesn't seem right to me with him. Um, it doesn't list a job. Does he work? Well, I know his job is he's he's like an audience coordinator for a television show. He makes sure that each of the, the television shows has people in the audience. Oh, so he's an intern? Like that's <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the job of an intern to like fill seats. But then that flashed me show. that flashed me back to when you uh, told me that you saw the picture of him dressed as an FBI agent. Where he was trying to do some acting. And I was like, well, maybe he was an FBI agent. Maybe that's his security outfit for getting people into... <laughs> for working at a TV show. But it brings up an 
interesting point, which is what's he going to do when he comes to the U.S.? Is he expecting just to come here and live off of her? Does he realize that like you're going to have to work and get a job? Now, he told his parents, oh, she can get work for me. But think about it, like doing what exactly? So if he isn't really skilled in any sort of specific trade, right? he doesn't speak fluent English. <laughs> no. You know, he doesn't have any real work history. He doesn't have anything that he can show that he's done in the past. What's he going to do? Yeah, especially in small town Georgia. I don't know what he could really do. I mean, my first thought is working at the detective agency. I mean, you know, to put trackers underneath people's cars. Has It just seems like she hasn't given any thought to like... Well, so as we've seen before, though, from people who actually do the 90 Day Fiance, he can't work until he gets the green, green card. card approved, and that can take months anyway, so... Correct. So the first few months, he absolutely does nothing. So maybe she really didn't look at it in the light of, okay, going further than when he gets his green card. Maybe she thought, okay, well, when he gets here, he's not going to be able to do much anyway, so it hasn't really processed yet Yeah, in we'll her deal mind. with that when he can actually work. Right. Then we'll figure out what but he's going to do. I think now with this information that he possibly has no job history record, it should raise some red flags of, oh, wow, okay, well, even after those months pass, right. what's going to happen then? And what are his real motives here? Because she keeps saying that the trip is going so amazing, and it's like, are you experiencing the same trip that we have been watching? Because it doesn't seem like it has been all that amazing amazing so far. No, there's the, like we said, the arguments and the tattoos and his, his parents clearly, I mean, they didn't even really fake it. They were they were nice enough. They didn't do anything overt, but they definitely did not look like it when I met my wife's parents or when my wife met my parents, you know, you could at least fake it even if you don't really feel well, like... Well, and they were nothing compared to the sister. And the sister was just like, hey, so what are you doing? So I feel like there have been so many red flags and she has ignored every single one of them. And that's what fascinates me most about her is that she has these moments of real vulnerability where she's very honest with us, the viewers, mm-hmm. where she's very introspective and, and she she is kind of expressing some of the concerns that we're all having. And yet when it comes to being in the moment with him, she's like, yep, nope, everything's great. And I love him now more than I ever have. And he's just so perfect. And it's like, oh, okay. Right. And I would also question, okay, so none of your other relationships, they all might have ended up bad, but how they start out? Did they all start out kind of like the Ziad, where everything was so wonderful. Of course, they all start out wonderful. Like every, they were always the most perfect. And he, but that's the thing. This hasn't been wonderful, and it hasn't been (laughs) right perfect. There have already been multiple things that have happened. That's just kind of like, lady, you might just want to go home now. Just. (laughs) You've already been down this road before. Absolutely. Like she's seen the jealousy. She's seen the controlling. She's seen all of these things that like... And she brings it up to him pr- pretty often. Okay, well, now that I've taken off my jacket and you see the tattoos, am I any less of a person or do you love me less than you did before? Oh, even though I've been with this uh, female in the past, does that change the way you feel about me? Am I any different now than before? So she brings up these questions to him rhetorically, I guess. But he just... I, th- I feel like he placates her. He just like... He, he doesn't give her honest, heartfelt felt answers he's just like yeah yeah no it's fine it's all it's fine and it's not it's she can tell it's not fine but it's good enough for her to keep that fantasy going for right now and that's all she needs to kind of get through the day all right well part two of episode eight of 90 day fiance before the 90 days will air sunday night on tlc we will both be watching and i will be tweeting up a storm for my new iphone 11 (laughs) Uh, don't forget to find the reality bites podcasts on your podcast app apple Podcasts, google play Rate and subscribe.